This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We are continuing our series on uh, Mishlei and Shlomo Melech. And just want to recap a little bit of what we talked about last week. Uh, Sefer Mishlei, Proverbs. It's also called sometimes Mishlei Shlomo, which we're going to talk about tonight, because that's one of the headings of one of the chapters we're going to discuss. It's one of the Ketubim, the books of the writings, which is part of Tanakh. Torah and Aviyim Ketuvim, says Book of Chronicles, the last section of Tanakh, which uh, Tanakh consists of 24 books. And the book of Mishlei is set between the books of Tehillim, the books of Psalms, and the book of Eov, the book of Job. So if you want to look for it, it's in the back of Sefer Tanakh, between Tehillim and Eov, Job. It comprises 31 chapters dealing with ethical teachings by means of proverbs, as the name denotes. Mishlei can be subdivided into two primary sections, uh, chapters 1 to 9 and chapters 10 to 29. And then there's two chapters which seem to be additions, chapters 30 and 31. And 31 ends off with the famous Eshet Chayil, which we sing or we, we uh, chant every Friday night, which we're going to talk about in the coming class. This idea of Eshet Chayel, who is it referring to? Is it referring to the woman of the house, referring to Bathsheba, uh, Shlomo Melech's mother? Is it referring to Ruth, which is uh, Shlomo Melech's great-grandmother? Who is it referring to? We're going to talk about that. Bezrash, she will get there. So the first section begins with, these are the Proverbs of Shlomo, who took last week, son of David, king of Israel. Uh, there's no way to mistake who that is. That's uh, explicit. It's the Shlomo, the son of David, who is the king of Israel. Okay into two primary sections, chapters 1 to 9 and 10 to 29, and then the third section, which is like an appendix, uh, which is, uh, we talked about chapters 30 and 31, and the first section discusses Shlomo Melech and talks about fear of God, awe of God, the person should be in awe of Hashem, that's the prerequisite for wisdom, there's no way for a person, a Jewish person to be wise in Jewish laws or Jewish knowledge without fear of Hashem. Because without fear of Hashem, what, what is the incentive to keep the laws of God? A person has no incentive to keep the laws. A person is not going to keep the laws. Everything else is theory, and theory is very easily forgotten. A person has to immerse themselves in mitzvot and Torah to be able to understand them. How do we know? King David says a beautiful line in Psalms. Tamu uru kitob Hashem. Taste and see how good Hashem is. Taste and see. If you don't taste, if you don't get your feet wet, there's no way you can swim without getting your feet wet. There's no way a person can learn to swim just by learning theory. Well, similarly, in Jewish law, there's no way of learning about Judaism without practicing. It's very important to practice. And, you know, the famous uh, joke, the joke is that there was two uh, brothers. One was a rabbi and one was a doctor. And uh, they looked alike. They looked very similar. And one of the congregants sees the sees the doctor. He says, "Doctor," he says, "Hi." He said, "Actually," he says, "Hi, Rabbi. How are you?" He says, "No." He says, "I'm the brother that practices, not the brother that preaches." So he's a doctor practices, whereas the rabbi preaches. So we have to be all around this. It's impossible to learn Torah. It's impossible to be wise without fear of God, because without fear of God, a person is not going to keep the mitzvot. Without being able to keep the mitzvot, without doing the mitzvot, without actually practicing. What a person preaches, they're going to forget very easily what they learn. So it's very important to practice. keeps the person fresh and sharp. They're involved. It's very important to get involved. So uh, God is 
is uh, all uh, is all important 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 and uh, God is potent and all powerful and that is one of the prefaces of King Solomon's work of Bishlei to know Hashem to have fear of Hashem all of Hashem Yerachamay Yerachamay and that's how Book of Kehelet Ecclesiastes ends which we're going to talk about Bishlei Hashem the end of all is heard Hashem fear Hashem and keep His commandments so that is really basically uh, simplifying uh, the books of Shlomo Melech. It's all about fear of Hashem. It's all about keeping its word. But Mishle has much more. Mishle has much more advice for us, which encompasses every part of our lives. It discusses uh, the advantages of wisdom, discusses the advantage of ethics, advises separating from lust, from laziness, and from lightheartedness. Uh, levity, like going to comedy clubs, etc., etc. These things are very detrimental to one's spiritual health. The second section, which we're going to discuss tonight in chapter 10, also starts off on similar lines. It does not mention the word king, does not mention his father. It says, these are the proverbs of Shlomo. These are the proverbs of Solomon. Contains a large collection of shorter, miscellaneous, wise maxims, and uh, instructions of various nature and topics which we're going to discuss today. And then the third section is chapters 31 and 32, deal with Shlomo Melech and his confessions and what he did in his life. And it's like a, it's like a give and take. It's very interesting the way it's written. It's like the teachings of a mother to her son and his response to her. And that ends up with Eshet Chayel, that was his mother, who he's talking about, the story which we're going to talk about, who exactly that is, and that is sung on Friday night. So that is the end of Sefer Mishlei. The topics discussed in Sefer Mishlei run the entire gamut of the whole human experience. The author leaves no topic untouched, and he provides guidance and understanding for each concept. Shlomo Amalek informs that we should listen attentively to words of wisdom and instruction how to persevere, be industrious, be diligent with regard to Torah and the pursuit of wisdom. You must fear being all of Hashem, observe and preserve his Torah and understand his attributes. We are never to act without proper forethought and contemplation and be fearful of evil, which we're going to have to discuss. We should learn to survive on the minimum and distance ourselves from physical desires and lusts, particularly to be on guard at against immorality, which we're living in a very immoral society today, an immoral time of history, and this is one of the tests today in our lives. We are advised how to avoid, this is very practical, how to avoid losing our wealth and how to make wealth, how to make money, and that is there are no big shortcuts. We must try to work and toil with our hands, always be on watch what we say, we have to be modest and have a humble demeanor and content with our portion in life. We must accept afflictions and poverty with love. We must love justice, love our comrades, engage in acts of loving kindness. We are to cleave to compassion and righteousness, pursue peace and truth, hate hypocrisy, flee from bad company and associate with righteous people. Shlomo Melech also discusses matters of ethics for rulers, for kings, for princes, for judges. He discusses ethical instruction for women, 
how to develop and run a successful home, proper education for children, how one should relate to one's family. He informs us of the success and rewards of the righteous person versus the toil and punishment of an evil person. Hashem's providence via moral lessons in the form of riddles and how to receive wisdom and knowledge. So let's go now to towards the end of chapter 9. As I said, chapter 10 is a new section. So I'm just going to bridge the new section, end of chapter 9. And the end of chapter, chapter 9 uh, discusses very beautiful concepts. Um, I'm going to start uh, from uh, verse number 8 in chapter 9. Do not reprimand a joker. Now, what is a joker? In Hebrew, it's the word less. It's interesting. It's the first line in Tehillim. David says, Praise the person who is not going the ways of the evil, advice of the wee evil. And did not sit in the company of scorners. A let's is a scorner. Nothing is sacred to a joker, to a scorner. Everything is a joke. Nothing is sacred. God is a joke. The Torah is a joke. The rabbis are jokes. Uh, anyone in authority is a joke. Um, he, makes a, he makes a joke of one. So let's do not reprimand the joker. Shlomo says, why? He's going to hate you. If you reprimand someone who doesn't understand what life is all about, they're going to hate you. That's a very important concept. And he thinks he's right. He thinks he's smart. He knows what he's doing. You cannot reprimand him. There's no way you can rebuke him. However, if you rebuke or reprimand a wise person, they will love you more. This is this is an amazing test of who is a wise person. One of the one of the attributes of a wise person is I want to do what's right. Can you help me? Can you tell me what's right? You know, one of the most annoying things in a synagogue, if you go in Shakarit, is the guy comes to you and it moves your tefillin. Says, Ah, your tefillin's gonna be in the middle, your tefillin of the head is gonna be in the middle, so it moves the tefillin around. So uh, a fool will come along and say, hey, what are you doing? Leave me alone. Don't touch me. And a wise man will say, oh, thank you so much. You helped me do the mitzvah. So that's the difference between a wise person and a foolish person. Reprove a wise person and they will be happy. They'll be really uh, thrilled that they ask for correction. Please help me. I want to do the mitzvah better. Please, if you can guide me in any way. I remember when I was a kid, uh, my... uh, one of my friends in the shul, he was much older, actually, was my uh, uncle. One of, one of my uncles, he showed me how to go back three steps before the Shemona Estre, before the Amidah, go forward three steps. And that's a lesson I will treasure all my life. That here he is, he's teaching a young boy how to pray. And that is a tremendous thing. So a person who is wise will take these lessons and thank the person. The person who's foolish will say, don't teach me, I know everything. A lot of people don't want to hear they know everything, they're smart, they know everything, and you know what's going to happen is they'll never learn. So a wise person will ask someone to teach them, will ask someone to help them, will ask someone to tell them off if something's going wrong, let me know what's going wrong, let me know what I can fix in my life. And so that's what Shlomo says. He says, don't, don't reprove a mocker. Don't reprove someone who's a mocking person. They reprove a wise person and they will love you. Is they seek correction and they want to learn from every person, right? It says in Pirkei Avot, who is a wise person, a person who learns from everyone, 
That's the definition of a wise person. Then he continues in, in chapter 9, verse 9. Give to the wise person, and he will be wiser still. Inform the righteous man, and he will increase in learning by means of his own understanding. Rashi says, he will increase. You teach him something, he will expand on the knowledge. There's a beautiful story I heard yesterday. A great story in the Gemara of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was one of the 80 students of Hillel. Everyone's heard of Hillel. Teach me the whole Torah on one foot. Hillel, the great Hillel, never lost his temper. Uh, he was one of the smartest people around. Hillel and Shammai, they always discuss things. The law is like Hillel and Beit Hillel, his, his uh, academy. Hillel had 80 students. Can you imagine? 80 students. Everyone flocked to Hillel. They loved learning from Hillel because Hillel had tremendously sweet disposition and uh, he had a lot of patience and therefore they loved learning with Hillel, 80 students, imagine 80 students walking around with Hillel, learning in his academy, 80 students, and uh, one of the students, it says the greatest of his students was the person that the singles go to his grave till today, uh, Rabbi Yonatan ben Uziel in Amukka, they go, it's a sigula to find a shidduch, so interesting, uh, Rabbi, Yochanan, Rabbi Yonatan ben Uziel was the greatest student of Hillel, and the smallest student of Hillel, was Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, who became the next chief rabbi of Israel. Imagine, the chief rabbi of Israel was the smallest student of Hillel. Now, the question is, why? How come the smallest student of Hillel? Well, if you look at the ground over there, what it says over there is the smallest student of Hillel knew vast amounts of knowledge more than anyone else, except for the 79 other students. So he was well-equipped to be the chief rabbi, even though he's the smallest student of Hillel. We can't imagine what the, the greatest student of Hillel was. And the Gemara lists over there what he knew. He knew everything going back to the speech of angels, the speech of birds, etc., etc., speech of trees. You know, I didn't know trees spoke to each other, but he could understand what this, the trees. I don't know. He could understand any kind of knowledge. This is Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, the smallest of the 80 students of Hillel. And uh, Mishnah tells us in Perkeavod, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai had five main students. And his main student of the five main students was Rabbi Eliezer ben Hurkanus, which is also called, the Gemara calls him Rabbi Eliezer Hagadol, the great Rabbi Eliezer. I'm sure, I'm sure there are other Rabbi Eliezer's. So he was the great Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer Hagadol. And he's also called a Shamuti. Rabbi Eliezer Hagadol is called a Shamuti. Number one is because he was a, uh, one of the students of Shammai, not from Hillel. Even though his rabbi was a descendant of uh, students of Hillel, he Rabbi Eliezer Gadol followed the house of Shammai. He followed the uh, laws of the Beit Shammai, the Beit Shammai, the, of the yeshiva of Shammai. Anyway, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai is on the road with Rabbi Eliezer Gadol. Rabbi Eliezer ben Hukkan is one of his best students. He compares Rabbi Eliezer to a, a sealed cistern that doesn't lose a drop. In other words, whatever Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai taught him, he memorized. He never forgot a single word of Rabbi Yochanan and Zakkai. So Rabbi Yochanan and Zakkai was on the road once. He had with him Rabbi Yezer. He says, Rabbi Yezer, please tell me what you learned. Give me, give a drasha over here. Give a drasha, give a speech to all these people. And Rabbi Yezer says, how can I give a, a speech when you are my rabbi? You're, you're here. It's not kavod. It's not honor for a person to give a speech in front of his own rabbi. Let the rabbi give the speech. And Rabbi Yochanan and Zakkai insists. No, I want you to give the speech. I want to hear something from you, Rabbi Ezer. 
And he's again, he says, no, Rabbi, please, you give the speech. I can't, I can't give a speech in front of you. And it goes on like that. So Rabbi Yassi says, no, I can't keep refusing my rabbi. So he starts to give the speech. And everything he says, he says, this is from my rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. This is from my rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai is over there saying, wow, this is amazing. I never heard these concepts before. This is amazing. Everything he said, he said, I heard this from my rabbi, Rabbi, Yassi, rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. So the corn priest asked, what's going on over here? He's saying that he heard everything from Rabbi Yochanan Zakkai. And Rabbi Yochanan Zakkai says, this is a new stuff he's telling us. So the answer is they bring this uh, pasuk over here. This pasuk is, if you give to a wise person, they'll get wiser and they'll add to what they learned. So everything he learned was from Yochanan Zakkai. However, from his own knowledge and from his own understanding, he understood things from what he learned that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai also did not grasp what he was teaching to the nth degree that Rabbi Yelezer was capable of. So can you imagine a person teaches someone and they take that knowledge and they propel it miles away. They propel it further. And that is what Shlomo Amalek is saying over here. Teach a wise person and they'll get wise, wiser than even the person who taught them. And you teach a righteous person, and you'll add to what he learns. And that was the story of Rabbi Ezra Gadol. He added to what he learned that even his own rabbi who taught him didn't recognize what he taught him. He didn't recognize the same words. He didn't recognize the speech that Rabbi Ezra insisted was all from Rabbi Yochanan Zakkai's knowledge. So interesting that you teach someone who's wise and they propel the knowledge further. In fact, it's interesting because that's what science today is built on. It's built like people standing on each other's backs. The previous generation taught us, and the next generation is adding to the knowledge. And that's what we're talking about. A wise person adds the knowledge they have. Every generation is adding a little bit more of knowledge. That's how things work. That's a wise person. A wise person adds the knowledge using their own understanding. And that's what Shlomo Melech tells us in chapter 9, verse 9 of Mishlei. Gives to the wise person, and they will add to the wisdom. Uh, he continues. This is a beautiful line, verse 11, that uh, Moroccan custom is to sing it when someone gets an Ali Mecha Through me, Hashem says, through my Torah, your days will be lengthened. And added to you will be years of life. Beautiful line that is sung. Um, the Moroccan custom, if you go to Moroccan shul ever, you'll see over there, that's what they sing when someone gets an aliyah. Through the Torah, you'll be lengthened days and lengthened life. So Rashi over here says, the days of your life will be increased, not just quantitatively, but also qualitatively with sustenance and happiness and in good deeds. And we added to your days of life in the world to come, not just in this world, but also in the next world, as well as Shem, we'll all get this blessing. Our lives will be lengthened, not just this world, also the next world. If you became wise, you became wise for yourself. This is very fascinating. That wisdom is something a person grasps. It's in their brain. They got it from themselves. You know, it's interesting. There's an interesting Rambam. Rambam says, He's, he talks about Olam Abba. He has a section that talks about the world to come. It's in the laws of Teshuvah, the end of the laws of Teshuvah. And over there, he talks about the world to come and he brings the parables of the sages 
the righteous sit there and the crowns on the head. So number one, he says, there's no sitting, there's no standing, there's no bodies, no physical bodies in the Lama by the next world. That's Ramam's opinion. It's totally spiritual experience. So what does it mean? The righteous are sitting. It means they're not able to grow. You're not able to grow in Ramadan. Now, all the good deeds a person does in this world, that propels them in the next world. But they cannot grow in the next world because we can't do good deeds. There's no freedom of choice in the next world. When you can see Hashem so clearly as a person, as the souls in the next world can, there's no way a person can do mitzvot, rebel, uh, choose. There's no free choice. So that's the reason why the person cannot grow in the next world. However, that's sitting down. So sitting down, Ramon says, is there's no growth. However, he says, the crown on one's head. What do you mean a crown on a person's head? There's no heads and there's no crowns. It's not physical. He says, the knowledge of Hashem that a person grasped in this world is going to be their crown in the next world. You know, the spiritual knowledge a person grasps in this world is what they take with them. And it's going to be the crown on the head, which is what is going to bring them glory in the next world. The glory in the next world is what we learn in this world. When we learn all the wisdom of Torah and other things that we learn in this world of spiritual knowledge, the person going in this world, we can take with us. That's what he says. If you became wise, your wisdom is yours. However, if you ridiculed wisdom, you will bear that shame. So interesting, again, the push for wisdom, the push for learning Torah, the push for getting wise is amazing, beautiful uh, push that people today are not so in tune with. We know Jews are always into wisdom. Well, this is where we came from. This is where this, uh, the golden uh, advice of Shlomo Melech is, number one is fear of Hashem, number two is wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. And we're going to talk about number three, morality. Here, this is straight away, Bishlei chapter 9, verse 17. Stolen waters are sweet. What motivates people to do things which are against the law, against morality, against ethics? And the answer he gives is stolen waters are sweet. There's a kind of desire a person has to break boundaries. Person has, some people have this desire to break boundaries. And we all know when a person is young, you tell them no and they'll do something else. You tell them yes and they won't do it. Right? A person is born, it's all it's called reverse psychology. Children, especially, you want a child to do something, you tell them the opposite. And sure enough, tell them, don't eat it, and eat it. You tell them, eat it, you won't eat it. So it's reverse psychology. That's the, we have this propensity, human beings have this propensity to rebel from an early age. So this is what Shomar says, stolen waters are sweet. Breaking the law, enjoying things which are forbidden, some people enjoy. And bread eaten surreptitiously is present. The things that you have to do in private, people like. They, they like to do things in private. No one knows what they're doing. Things which are probably totally immoral, etc. And so he says, these things are sweet. People find them desirous. However, he doesn't know the end. The person does not know the end. Yep, a person thinks they're going to get away with it. And eventually he says, the netherworld is beckoning to them. This is very strange language over here. You can look it up. Uh, chapter 9, verse 18. So now we come to chapter 10. We said this is the second section of the book. And again, the title is repeated. Mishlei Shlomo. The title of here is much more abbreviated than we had before. Before is Mishlei Shlomo, uh, Ben David, Melech Bishalayim, King Dei, Solomon, uh, the son of David, King of, of Jerusalem, King in Jerusalem. Over here it just says Mishlei Shlomo. Proverbs of Shlomo, abbreviated. And here, these are the famous Proverbs of Shlomo. 
the wise sayings of Shlomo encapsulated in very brief fashion. Each one can be a book. Each one of these proverbs can be a book. Ben Chacham Yismachav, a wise son makes their father glad. Or Ben Kesil Tugat Imo, and a foolish son is the grief of his mother. Now, well, you have to understand. The wise son, father's happy. The foolish son, the mother's sad. What's going on over here? So the commentary say, Rashi tells us that a person's home in those days, a child would be home with his mother. They're going to go to school to later. So a wise son is going, learning with wise people. The father's very happy. Look who my son is associating with. A foolish son is home. Maybe got chucked out of school. Who's, who's there those days? The mother was home. So the mother says, oh gosh, this guy is ruining my life. He's such a terrorist. Staying home with me and driving me crazy with his bad traits. He's scoffer. And uh, so it's very important, this idea that our parents, you want to make your parents happy, a wise person makes their parents happy by having good peers around them, by having good friends around them, uh, desiring knowledge, desiring wisdom. That's, who our, makes a, that's what makes a parent proud. But a, a foolish son makes a per, parent, especially Jewish parents, very unhappy. So this is a very important proverb. Lo resha. This is a very important line. This is brought down. There's a story in the Talmud of Rabbi Akiva. It says, in those days, people believed in astrology. And even great rabbis uh, would get predictions from astrologers, whether they were asked for or not for. You know, Jews, we don't believe in astrology. We believe there's en mazal Israel. There is no such thing as astrology for Jews. We don't believe in the stars predicting our futures. Why? Because we have the ability to pray. We have the ability to change our futures. So even if there is such a thing as astrology, even if there is a, such a thing as destiny, a person through their prayers can change destiny. It's a very important idea. That we, through our prayers, can change our destinies, and we should change our destinies. That's why we pray three times a day. Hashem, change our destinies. If a person is sick, we can pray heal them. The person is poor, we pray, give us wealth. person is uh, insecure, please, Hashem, give us security. All these things we can pray for. We can change our destinies. So that's an interesting, even though we wish people mazal tov, you should have good luck. We don't really believe in luck. It's a prayer. Like you're wishing someone good luck is a prayer. We don't really realize you're wishing someone good luck, which means if their luck would be bad, we wish them no. Hashem should change your luck into good luck. Hashem should change your destiny. That's what Mazal. Mazal stands for three things. Makom, Zman, Lashon. Mazal. Makom, being in the right place. Zman at the right time. Lashon uses the right words. That's Mazal. Is, is, you know, how did you get that job? I happened to be in the right place at the right time. Say the right words. How did you win the lottery? Happened to be in the right place, right time, and I bought the right ticket. So Mazal. That's Mazal. Mazal is a good destiny. We wish people have a good destiny. That is kind of prayer. That's a prayer. So, even if, so anyway, so what happens is Rabbi Kim has his daughter and uh, some astrologer came to him and said, you know, your daughter is going to die on her wedding day. So Akiva forgot about it. Many years later, he didn't really believe it. Then it wasn't superstitious. And then sure enough, in the wedding day of Rabbi Kiva's daughter, she's looking for her beautiful diamond hair pin. There's a hair pin in her hair to keep the hair up. And she has a beautiful diamond in the hair clip. And she's looking for it. She's hunting all over for it. And Rabbi Kiva is helping her. 
And in those days, you know, the uh, walls were not plastered. It was just crevices, cracks, just like go to Israel today, you see the old stone walls. Now the Kotel, and there's cracks between, and people would store things in the cracks. And he found this beautiful hairpin in the crack in the wall, right, pointed right into the head of a poisonous snake that killed the poisonous snake. He said, my daughter, I found the pin, but it was in the head of a poisonous snake. She said, yeah, dad, I put the pin in the crevice. I didn't, wasn't looking. I just put it behind my back. It was hurting my head. And I put it, and I remember I put it into the crevice in the wall. And he says, wow, he says, you killed the poisonous snake. Now I remember the astrologer said, you're going to be killed on your wedding day. You're going to die by a poisonous snake. And you killed the poisonous snake that was meant to kill you. What merit do you have that helped you to survive? And she said, Daddy, in the wedding party, I saw an old man, a poor man, who came in looking for food, and I sat him down, and I gave him a plate of food. And Rabbi Akiva said, these words from Mishle right here, in chapter 10, verse 2, tatzil tzedakah, the act of charity, the act of giving, the act of helping someone will save from death. So can you imagine, this is a beautiful idea. This idea that a person's destiny can be changed. The rabbis tell us through three things. Kol, Tzom, Mamon. Through kol, which is prayers, through using one's voice to pray to God. Tzom is fasting, doing teshuva. And Mamon is giving charity by giving tzedakah. By giving tzedakah, as we say, this is based on this pasukah. We have this verse, chapter 10 of Mishle, verse 2. Tzedakah, Tzil, Mimavit. Righteousness, charity, saves from death. Whereas, lo yo'ilu otsrot resha, evil people who store up funds, store up money, immorally gained earnings will not save the evil person. On judgment day, you cannot buy redemption of the soul with money. Commentaries tell us over here. The person says, you know what? I'm going to, I'm so rich, I'm going to just bribe it, bribe God away, bribe God. You can't bribe God. There's no way of bribing God. The only way of bribing God is by giving Charity by doing teshuva and by praying. Those three things can change a person's destiny. So tzedakah, a famous line, famous parable, famous proverb that everyone puts. Okay, we're moving on. Lo yariv Hashem nefesh sadiq. God does not allow the righteous to go hungry. Even though a person is giving away his money, Rashi says, to tzedakah, to charity. Hashem will not let them go hungry. As King David says in Psalms, I've never seen a, a, rich, a, poor, a poor, righteous person. Right? That's what we end of uh, Brick Muslim. Right? No, right? That's really the end of uh, Hashem does not leave a righteous person. And I've never seen their children begging for food. So interesting. It's something which we believe that Hashem helps people in the right path. And, and a person who will get paid back for their wickedness. So there's two paths. Shalom Melech always points out, this is a very important idea that goes right through Mishlech, is there's righteousness, there's evil in the world. The righteous will get their just desserts, and the evil will also get their just desserts. It's one of the 13 principles of faith, of uh, Jewish principles of faith of the Rambam, that the righteous will get rewarded, and the wicked will also get their rewards. So it's part of our belief system. No one escapes Hashem's judgment for good or for bad. Hashem judges so a person doesn't see it in this world, but it will catch up to a person in the next world. Ultimately, it says, Rash, I'll say, 
the destitute will plummet into poverty, while the hand of the diligent person will prosper. So Rashi says this is about spiritual affairs. Those lacking in Torah will impart false teachings. The fraudulent merchants selling rubbish, they're selling rubbish as uh, something good, and they'll end up in poverty. The honest businessman, the person who teaches true Torah, will ultimately be rich wealth in spiritual terms, or is talking about a physical advice that Shalom is giving. Don't be fraudulent as a businessman, end up in poverty. No one's going to go and buy with you. No one's going to do business with you. But if you're honest and you're hardworking, you'll ultimately be wealthy. You'll be successful. So that's a good advice. Be honest, hardworking, secret of success. Oger Bakaitz Ben Maskil. The wise son gathers his harvest in the summer, which in those days was the best time to harvest was the summer. Why? Because there's no rain and everything's ready. Go get it. Whereas the son who's going to brief, who's going to embarrass his parents is going to sleep during the harvest. So now what happens? The wise man has got a harvest. He puts everything in the silos. He's got food for the whole year. The fool is over there, lazy, sleeping during the busy season and he'll have nothing stored up for him. So that's good advice. Be industrious, hard work, be honest, brachot the rosh sadiq, blessings on the head of the righteous, and the mouth of the evil will be covered with robbery, will choke on the sinfulness, Rashi says. And now we come to a very important line which we use all the time. Zecher tzadik nebracha, zatzal, we always put, when a person passes away, put the letters, Zion tzadik lamed, zecher tzadik nebracha, May the memory of the righteous be for a blessing. This is a pasuk in Mishlei. It's the verse of Mishlei, chapter 10, verse 7. Exactly the way we use it, that the memory of a righteous person will be a blessing. What does that mean? There's two explanations. Number one is, every time a person remembers that person, they'll say, wow, what a good person. I love that person. He was such a, a really good person. Or she was such a great tzedekah. She was such a great person. You find books written about the tzedekah today. Many books, many biographies written today. Zecher Tzadik This is the idea. The concept is that righteous people should be immortalized. People should always remember. That's the second explanation. People will always remember. They'll never forget these people. I mean, if you look at our Bible, we'll see that the righteous people are always presented in glowing colors. Usually, at least at the end, they do teshuva. We talk about David Abelah. At least they do teshuva. They're presented at the end as righteous people. And the names are the memories are blessed. However, the name of the, of the wicked will be rot, will rot. What does it mean? Rot? No one wants to remember their, name, their names. And we should always, whenever we talk about some evil person, like Hitler, we always add the words, his name be blotted out. Based on this verse, Solomon says, the names of the wicked should rot. And that's a very, very harsh, it seems like a very harsh statement. But the person who's a mass murderer, we can apply that. No one should remember them for good. They should always be remembered for bad. A person who is wise will run after mitzvot, good deeds, commandments, run after them. So a person who is smart will run after worthwhile causes. Always run after worthwhile things. But a fool is for time in a bit. His, uh, his mouth will be full of mockery. 
So there's an opportunity for a mitzvah, and the wise man, the wise man seizes it, the fool uh, makes a mockery. It's interesting. He says the Chavetz Chaim was once raising money for the poor in uh, his uh, his uh, synagogue, and he goes and he gives a lecture over there, and he comes home, and his wife asks him, "No, were you successful?" He says, "I was half successful." Well, what do you mean half successful? Well, I had I got the the poor people to agree to receive the money, but I'm still working on the rich people to give it. So he was half successful. Okay, so that's a person who is running after this for run after this for always run after this for. You have opportunities. We have we should seize opportunities for good and uh, withdraw from evil. So Chacham led you because his wife will run after this for. These are the true. Something we can't see in this transitory world we're living in. We cannot see true good. We cannot see. If it wasn't for the Torah advising us and, and these wise people like Shlomo Melech. Now, you know, it's interesting because a person is advised to do something from someone who is very wealthy, who has everything a person could ever desire in life, has a tremendous impact on a person. If you're advised to do something by a poor person, they say, yeah, what does he know about life? He never enjoyed life. What does he know about life? So here we have the greatest person in terms of wealth in the world the most powerful person, one of the most powerful people in the world at that time, is giving advice. Now, who does not want advice from this successful pair person? It's like you hear advice today, all these advisors, uh, multi-billionaires giving advice. Everyone wants to know what they say. Why? Because they're successful. I want to be successful like him. I want to hear what he has to say. And the same thing applies. Shlomo Amirach, the most successful person at that time, is giving advice. Who will not listen to his advice? I want to be like him. I want to be as successful as King Solomon. Let me listen to what he says. So look what he's telling us. He's, he's a successful person every single way possible. He's a successful person in physical matters. He's a successful person in spiritual matters. What is he advising? Hard work, honesty, spiritual success, wisdom. These are the fundamentals he's telling us. This is beautiful advice. To walk upright in purity of heart. Purity of heart is not scheming, person not devious, not scheming to trick people, not to con people. So to walk with simplicity, to walk with uprightness. It says Yaakov Ishtam, Yoshebo Ali, the Torah describes Yaakov Avinu as Ishtam, but simple person. What's a simple person? That's what Shlomelech is saying. A person who walks in simplicity and purity of heart will walk securely. Hashem will be on their side. You have trust in Hashem. There's no reason why Hashem will not help the person who's walking in truth, walking in security. He'll walk in security. But a person who is tricky and a trickster, his ways will be exposed. So interesting. The, the, the source of life, the fountain of life, is the mouth of a righteous person. And and the mouth of an evil person hides evil, hides Hamas. You know, Hamas, as we know, Hamas is violence, murder. So anyone who conducts themselves in accordance with the words of the righteous will live. And the person who conducts themselves with words of evil will be dealt with at the right time. 
hatred stirs up strife, whereas love conquers all. This is a beautiful parable. But love covers all misdeeds even. When people fight, then uh, troubles start, and people get along, all their past misdeeds are forgiven. That, that, that is uh, not just something which we can do to each other, it's something that Hashem also, the way we treat others, is the way Hashem treats us. Uh, the, the Arizal says, whenever we judge other people, Hashem says, I'm going to judge you the same way you judge that person. If a person is ma'avir amidotav, a person is forgiving and forgetting, Hashem says, you forgive and forget. I'll forgive and forget what you did as well. So it's important to treat other people with love. It's very hard. Someone hurts your feelings. You know, what can you do? Just get it off your back. You know, it's interesting. Before we go to sleep, there's a very important line we say before in the Kriyach Malamita. Those say the Shema before going to sleep. And there's another line we say, I forgive and forget and anything bad which other people did to me. So hard to say that with proper intentions and really mean it to forgive and forget other people. And then there's another line that the Vedish guy added, Ben whether this incarnation or with a different reincarnation. Boy, we believe in reincarnation, at least the Kabbalists. Yeah, part of Jewish belief, people don't know that. And uh, sometimes we're back in this world for something previously we did, or some, something that someone did to us. So everything is worked out over and over again till people are fixed completely. So, so one of the principles is forgive other people, treat others with love that will repair all past misdeeds. Wisdom is found on the lips of a wise person. So interesting. Um, so in other words, what does that mean? A person who is wise will deduce one matter from another. Uh, regardless of the issue, he has something smart to say. Whereas a person who is not intelligent, is not capable of understanding on their own, even if they're taught, they don't comprehend. So a person who is wise is uh, able to understand other things from his wisdom, can extend the wisdom that he learns, and that's something which we have to try and do, try and, just by learning more, just by learning more Torah, because get smarter. The uh, says, Avira de Eretz Israel Machim. There's another way of getting smart, and that is, live in Eretz Israel. It says the air, whenever I breathe the air, I say, gosh, Hashem, give me wisdom. <laughs> breathe the air of Eretz Israel. It gives wisdom. The Israel Hashem will be wise living in Israel. Uh, we need to be wise just to survive over here. You've got to be wise than everyone else around you just to survive because everyone over here is smart. You know the famous joke, there's a beautiful joke that says there's an Irish policeman in New York and he goes to the Jewish guy and tells him on his beat, he says, tell me, he says, why are Jews so smart? What's the secret? So he, he told him, he says, you know, we eat on Friday nights, we eat the filter fish. So he says, filter fish? Yeah, it makes you smart. He said, yeah, it makes you smart. So he says, okay, so where do I get it from? He says, well, there's a, a local grocery around the corner. You can buy it over there. So the guy goes, every week he's buying the filter fish. After, after two, three weeks, he comes back and sees the Jewish guy. And the Jewish guy says, no, what's happening? So he's getting smart. So the guy says, you told me to buy the filter fish over there. It's three times the price. I found a place which is three times less expensive. So the Jewish guy says, look, you see, it's working already. He's getting smart. Okay. All right, it's only a joke. Okay. So anyway, so hachamim is kadu da'at, ofi ebil nefita krova. Wise people store up knowledge, 
where the, the mouth of a mocker invites ruin. So a wise person is learning, going over the learning, saying, well, forget it. The fool just forgets everything because they're busy thinking about other things which are not knowledge, tail-bearing, slander, giving bad advice, and therefore they don't have the knowledge. Pon Ashir Kiryat Now, this is a very interesting statement. Can be understood in different ways. Hon Ashir Rich man's wealth is their fortress. And people trust in their wealth. Uh, big mistake. But anyway, but rich person's wealth is their fortress. What does it mean? I have all the wealth in the world. I can do whatever I want. I can, I'm, I'll survive in this world. I'm going to survive. And a beautiful yacht, beautiful airplane. I'm going to survive. It doesn't have to be a yacht or a plane. It's a nice house. Their survival is guaranteed. They can retire in grace. That's their fortress. That's what they think. However, the, the Rashi over here tells us that our Torah studies, our knowledge is, our, is not talking about just not our wealth, physical wealth. He's talking about spiritual wealth. Spiritual wealth. This refers to a person rich in Torah. And the impoverished person, his, uh, his, his impoverished person's poverty is failing him. So Rashi says it's talking about his poverty in Torah as well. So there's poverty in wealth, wealth in Torah and there's poverty in Torah or simplicity. Malvin tells us he's talking about wealth, physical wealth. He's talking about money. Money is a person's fortress. You feel comfortable. You know, it's interesting. The Mishnah says in Perkei Avod, Im ein kemach in Torah. There's no flower. A person cannot study Torah. The person needs that peace of mind. They need what's called pat besalo. Person has a loaf of bread in their basket. This way they can sit there and learn and they, they don't have any worries. It's much easier to learn when a person has no worries. So then a person's wealth is their fortress. They don't have worries and they can study Torah easily. So Rabbeinu Tam, famous Rabbeinu Tam, the grandson of Rashi, uh, Rabbeinu Tam says, we'll put four gold coins on the table when he read Torah. So listen, I have my, my gold is ready. I don't have any worries. I can study with a clear mind. I don't have to worry about anything when I study. So it's very powerful. The rich person's wealth is their fortress. Shlomo does not advise us to be poor. Judaism does not tell a Jew, be a pauper, give up your money, go live in a monastery. It doesn't say that. It says live in the real world, work hard, be smart. But don't forget, your wealth is not the end all. Wealth is a mechanism, is a tool to be able to get wise in Torah. We have to save up the wealth for to transform the physical into spiritual wealth. That is the trick. The trick is not to forget what is the main goal. That's why we need Shalom to tell us what is the main goal in life. Yes, it's important to be honest, to be ethical, to be moral, to be hardworking. And to, wealth is very important. It's a fortress. It helps a person's mind to be at peace. But don't forget what it's for. Don't forget the main wealth is wealth or spiritual knowledge of God. Spiritual knowledge, Torah knowledge, spiritual knowledge is important. The work of the righteous is for life. The actions of the wicked are sin. So we have to know that synonymous mitzvot Torah is synonymous with life. The tree of life is in the middle of the garden. What is the tree of life? The rabbis say, It's Chaim He la Machazikim Bashlom Melech. We already talked about it last week. He quotes that Basuk. That it's Chaim He is a tree of life for those who cling onto it. The rabbis say that's the Torah. The Torah is the It's Chaim. 
for those who cling to the Torah, cling to learn Torah, that is the secret of eternal life, not just physical life, eternal life is Torah study, it's for Orach Lechayim Shomer Musar, those who keep ethics will be, their life will be in a right path. And those who leave ethics and leave rebuke will make a mistake in life. It's a beautiful lines, good advice. Kesef Nibchar Leshon Tzadik, like pure silver is the language of the righteous. And the heart of the wicked is not refined. Berkat Hashem Hitashir. We have to realize a person makes money. Berkat Hashem is the blessing of God that makes a person wealthy. The blessing of God makes a person wealthy. So even though a person doesn't have toil today, especially to make money just with an idea, a person has a good idea, they know how to apply the idea. It's never been easier to make wealth than today. It's never been easier with the internet. You can reach people that, you know, you know it's in those that are traveling, a peddler. How many Jews are peddlers? Imagine walking around with their wares. Today, you don't have to do anything. Just open a website, have the right things over there, have the nice uh, advertising, uh, links, uh, Google, whatever it is. And the person is making money day and night. Amazing, 24-7. If they're Shomer Shabbat, some people say, close your website on Shabbat. They shouldn't take orders. There are, there are some religious uh, companies that don't take orders on Shabbat, but the website's open. So you can look at it and place the order straight after Shabbat. Berkat Hashem Hitashir. It's the blessing of God. Because got to forget, never forget. There's a mitzvah in the Torah. I'm going to end off with this thought tonight. Beautiful idea in the Torah. The mitzvah in the Torah is to remember Hashem is the one who gives us the strength to do great things. Hashem is the one who gives us strength to do great things. And that's what Shalom is telling us. It's the blessing of God that makes wealth and doesn't bring sadness with it. Now, some people, some people wealth is a, a curse. Some people get wealthy. I had a guy I knew in London, unfortunately, he was in diamonds, gets mugged and killed on the street. So there's wealth brought disaster. But Shalom says, the blessing of God. If it's a blessing of God, it will never bring disaster. Blessing of God will bring wealth and will not bring depression, will not bring sadness, will not bring troubles. So that's how us know the blessing of God. May all Hashem bless us all. And we'll never suffer anything because of the wealth of Israel Hashem. And I will follow all the advice of Shlomo Melech. Be hardworking, be diligent, don't be lazy. And do things in an honest, ethical, moral way. Hashem will follow that path, and Hashem will bless us. All take care from Yerushalayim, Yerakodesh, and see you all next week. Take care. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.